This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back everyone and thanks for listening. At the Food Bank Council of Michigan, it is our mission to make Michigan a food secure state, ensuring no family or child goes hungry. Food insecurity, the inability to know if you will have enough food for the foreseeable future creates an environment of toxic stress that contributes to challenges with health, education outcomes, and workforce retention. This stubborn but solvable problem affects the youngest to the oldest, but in all of my days, I've never met anyone who wants kids to go hungry, seniors to suffer, or working families to struggle with having enough food. Everyone I know in our legislature, in our governor's office, as well as the business community, wants to drive hunger out of Michigan. Our network relies on the state roads and bridges to deliver food to our network of food pantries as we work to end hunger, which is why we support efforts to fix Michigan's crumbling roads and bridges. It's no secret to our transportation teams that we have some of the worst roads anywhere. In fact, last year, the American Society of Civil Engineers rated the state roads a D minus. Yikes. Our drivers cover an estimated 2 million miles every year transporting food between our network of nearly 3,000 pantries. It seems they know every bump and pothole in the state, and there are plenty. In fact, in 2018 alone, we spent over $4 million on transportation expenses so our fleet could deliver more than 200 million pounds of food to our hungry neighbors across our state. An investment in the infrastructure of our state is an investment in our future and will help the Food Bank Council of Michigan continue its work to end food insecurity in and across Michigan. If you prioritize food security in someone's life, you bring them stability, empowerment, and better health, all of which have a positive economic impact on the individual and their family. The Food Bank Council of Michigan believes that the increased expenditures in fuel now will result in savings on our maintenance long term. Therefore, I urge our legislative leaders in the Michigan House and Senate and Governor Gretchen Whitmer to work together to find a long-term solution to fix our roads and bridges so we can pass a budget and get to work implementing innovative solutions that will drive hunger out of our state. Together, we can fix more than the roads. We can become the first state that drives hunger out. So why not drive hunger out across newly paved roads and solid bridges? Jerry Brisson joins me in the studio, and Rob Fowler, the CEO of the Small Business Association of Michigan, joins us via our WJR phone line to discuss budget, roads, and much more right here on Food First Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here with Jerry Hassan. Jerry, say hello. Hello. Thank you very much. And uh, as promised, our guest today 
is the CEO for the Small Business Association of Michigan. He's our friend. He's been on the show before, and we welcome back to Food First, Rob Fowler. Rob, welcome. Thank you, Dr. Phil. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, Great to be back. Well, it is uh, great to have you back, and it's very timely, I might say, since um, there's not a lot of uh, legislators in Lansing during the summer time, and uh, we don't have a budget. Well, I guess we have three budgets. <laughs> <laughs> we, meaning the state of Michigan, yeah, we, not the Food Bank right. Council of Michigan, <laughs> which I want to remind everyone does have a budget. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, but we don't we don't have a budget. So, Rob, can you help us understand kind of where we're at in that? And then what is the uh, perspective from the small business community about the budgeting process? Well, um, that's exactly right. It's late July um, for the last eight years or so. Uh, the state has had its budget um, finished by June. Uh, which is important to local governments and school districts and others who start their fiscal year July 1. So now it's it's late July, and those local units of government are already going, but they don't know what their budget is because of the sort of cascading effect. For the last eight years, we've had these budgets by June. The last time we didn't, and actually the last time it went all the way up to September, was 2010, um, the circumstances or the background for that was a bad economy, um, split government, that is the re- uh, Republican House and Senate, Democrat governor, declining revenue for the state. The economy was bad, and the money was going down. So mm. fast forward to today, the economy is good. There's growing revenue for the state. We have split government. Um, so, and revenues are actually coming in better than the budget, the current budget, suggest. So right. um, this current crew has money to spend as opposed to trying to figure out where to cut. Right, right. Um, but two big priorities for this budget are roads. You may have heard the governor talk a little bit about fixing the roads. Yep. And, Indeed. Uh, There's a specific kind of road, too, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> there is. There is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she wants to fix those damn roads, and um, she's put a, a 45 cent gas tax on the table as a way to raise $2 billion a year to fund our roads. Mm. And there's, there's a lot of agreement around the $2 billion number. That, right. That's what it's going to take. Uh, there's way less agreement about how to raise that kind of money and how much of it could be found in a growing budget and how much of it has to be raised separately. So um, those, those big priorities are the things um, that she has. The Republicans' priorities are uh, they'd like to balance the budget with no tax increase. Uh, specifically on roads, they would like every penny paid at the pump to go to roads. Mm-hmm. And what we have today is um, it's a 26 cent, 26.3 cent gas tax, and then we put sales tax on top of that, so we pay a tax on a tax. And... But the sales tax, actually part of that goes to to the school aid fund and part of it goes to the general fund. So you have this non-alignment between how we raise the money with the gas tax and where it's spent. Right. So that's kind of set up this um, standoff. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to go. I think people feel some urgency about it. But um, there's not real agreement on how to get past this, you know, how do we fund the roads, and that actually sets some other things into, into motion, like how do we fund our schools? Right. So 
it's it's a it's an interesting moment, and we're going to see how well these two Republican leaders, Lee Chatfield and Mike Shirky, and Governor Whitmer, are able to get along together uh, and solve this problem. So it sounds to me, Rob, that um, things are a little similar to back in 2010, except we have a growing economy rather than a declining one. And so, you know, it's a different skill set to be able to manage more instead of less. (laughs) And so, you know, this is a different way for us to have to think about it. And I'm hearing a lot of the same things you're hearing, 2 billion, 2.5 billion is the number that we need. And as you said, is, you know, it's kind of like a lot of, lot of parallels for us and our work. We don't know anyone that wants hunger to win and children to go hungry or seniors to struggle. We, but how do we solve the problem? There's a lot of different, um, voices in in how do we do that work so uh jerry got a quick comment for us well i think that um as i think we've all known for a long time that this roads thing is going to have to be dealt with and i think it's been discussed for a long time and so it's i really think it's a nice thing to finally put something on the table to say okay how about this let's beat this down until we can figure out a better solution than just not dealing with it. I do think, though, that the investments that that Michigan government has made in business to try to get the revenue going in the right direction seems to have worked at least uh, pretty significantly. And so, you know, I I think that some of the ideas behind you got to deal with the economy first, and then you can deal with these other things as the revenue comes, has turned out to be somewhat effective. I mean, uh, so my real question is, as small business looks at these priorities and they have to weigh something important to them in terms of having good roads and the cost of not having them versus paying more taxes and the cost of that, how, how do you see this playing out? And, and, oh, local community sharing of this burden is a whole nother conversation. Okay. Well, right. you're going to have to hang on to that conversation <laughs> there because we got to take a quick break, Rob. But when we come back, I do want you to weigh in on Jerry's question there. Um, and he's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. Our guest, Rob Fowler, the CEO for the Small Business Association of Michigan. We'll be right back here on Food First Michigan in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. We're back. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here in the WJR studio. Rob Fowler, the CEO for the Small Business Association of Michigan, is our guest. And we're talking roads, budgets, and uh, why this is all important to small businesses, their families, and the people we serve. Jerry, you've got a question. Yeah, and probably should come back to the people we serve for a minute. You know, so many of the people we serve are employed, about 47% of them, and most of them are working for small businesses. It's it's part of the reason why what's important important to small business is, in fact, very important to the people we serve. So as we're looking at this roads issue and the various trade-offs that are being considered to, to manage the state budget and to really manage the, the increasing revenue, my question was really about how, what, how would small business like to see these issues paid for? Would they, would they rather see it paid for at the gas pump? Would they rather see it paid for in another way? Uh, how do small, or, or and, and again, another idea that's come up several times that I just wonder how small businesses feel about is the uh, the sort of the 
the sharing of this problem with local government where the state government, rather than paying for the whole thing, would offer some kind of a match to to from local government in order to release state funds to solve the problem locally. So, I mean, I know that those are three big questions, Rob, and it's probably not fair to put them all in front of you that way, but I'd sure be interested to to hear your thoughts about how small businesses are seeing this. So uh, I, I would say Michigan has been a, a, a one-state experiment in a pretty dramatic way of if we go back to 2009 or 2010, the economy was terrible, the state budget was bad, the revenues were going down, we weren't talking about investing in roads or education because we didn't have any money. Hmm. Um, we believe, and what the state of Michigan did was first made its business climate better, first um, creating a place where employers can thrive, and then we believed good things could happen. Growing businesses means growing jobs, growing wealth, um, people have money in their pockets, and all of that is literally played out right here in Michigan, the very thing we believe would happen. Now, I think there's about the worst thing we could do right now is to, is to begin to make the business climate worse. And there are people who are making exactly those arguments. Uh, in the governor's budget, she actually had a small business tax, literally just for small businesses. Uh, I'm sure born out of this kind of thinking that, you know, um, that businesses need to, to belly up to the bar. And the, the interesting thing to me is business, small businesses are paying more taxes, but they're paying more taxes because they have more profits, because they have more business, uh, because the economy is good. That's why all boats are rising right now. So, you know, in, in, in so many ways, this, the philosophy of Let's get the business climate right. Let's make it a great place to start and grow and, and run a business. Uh, and then a lot of other good things will happen. We're now having a conversation about how to spend growing revenue on the important places like roads and education um, and, and continuing to grow the economy. And I think it would be a rig- big mistake to go backwards on the business climate at this moment in time. Well, that, I think that's the same conversation we've had a couple of times here. D- totally different topic, right? But uh, I remember us having a very candid conversation with you one of the first times you were on the show about minimum wage. And I, you made the point that at, at $15 an hour, is uh, if we look at it as if there are no consequences, why not make it 50 And I, th- I think that's some of the same rationale, some of the same logic uh, that that we're talking about here. Um, and again, it's a different skill set to be able to manage more rather than less. And I think that's what we find ourselves in. Yeah. And to follow up on that a little bit. So I, 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 I think it's pretty obvious to us that, uh, the more people that are working and the more we incentivize work, the happier people are too. I mean, it's, I think it goes around a lot of different ways, but most of the people we serve are, would much rather have, a job that pays them what they need and and supports that keep them in jobs if they're just starting out in a job that maybe doesn't pay quite enough. So how do we put that package together? And then you get roads and education. (laughs) 
right? Something we all need, no matter where we are. There's people that think the gas tax is a regressive tax and unfairly burdens people who are lower income, who drive around pretty much just as much as anyone who makes more money. So you've got that point of view. But on the other side, you've got another point of view that says, well, it fairly uh, distributes the burden to the people who use the roads the most. So we know that as food banks, we use the roads a lot, and we will be burdened somewhat by this as well. And so it's really a complex conversation when when you, you know, anything you're trying to pay for that 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 needs consistent amounts of money, especially a lot of money. Um, you know, I have people talking to me about urban sprawl and how that's affecting all this. I mean, you know, it's complicated, right? And like hunger which is a complicated problem, we got to figure out who are the investors that win when the problem is solved and how much should each of those investors be paying for the solution. So again, coming back around to small business, what do you think, Rob? How, do, how much does small business need to be invested in this solution? Well, so I, I mean, I think um, in, in so many ways, this conversation about roads uh, can be true for some other public policy areas. Mm-hmm. What we believe, and I would say most of the business community is on this page, there ought to be alignment between the sources and the uses of funds. So the gas tax and registration fees as a way to fund our roads make sense to us just in the terms of, of aligning sources and uses. Um, and what we have is a little bit of a mixed bag right now. So um, to, the, to the extent you could, you could do better alignment, take the sales tax off the off fuel, um, align it over, sales tax should is the main source of funding our schools. Um, so make sure that, that that's aligned. Um, don't fund higher education out of the school aid fund, which is another conversation that's going on. I, I kind of feel like if, if we got some of that right, mm-hmm. these conversations would be easier because it's a, it's a Rubik's Cube right now in trying to, to understand the state budget. Um, so if you push a button on one side, it, it has, uh, you know, it has consequences a lot all across the budget. Uh, and that is what's complicated this whole conversation at, the, at this point. Well, it's like dominoes, right? I mean, if you, when one falls, there's a lot of other things that are, that it's going to affect and right. some ways is in some ways it's going to be, you know, very positive in other ways, it's going to have some consequences. And so those are the conversations, I think, Jerry, that you're talking about, that Rob's uh, giving examples to. And, and I think that was the point about the, the minimum wage conversation is that, you know, uh, there's ways to, to have this conversation. And if we think that one size fits all, whether we're talking about road funding or minimum wage or any of these other policies that, that, that we're discussing here today, um, it's, to me, it's an entirely different conversation to talk about road funding and minimum wage uh, with, uh, you know, a huge corporation than it is to a so, small business or to a yeah, nonprofit. Could, could we spend a minute on, on minimum wage? Because it's, a, it's obviously on the table right now right? Uh, in a pretty dramatic way. And, um, you know, so $15 is the, is the question. And my answer is always, well, $15 in Atlanta is very different than $15 in Alpena. Sure. There lies the problem with a federal minimum wage. Today, the federal minimum wage is $7.75, and nobody pays that. Everybody pays way above that. Right. And the reason is because the market has set the wage. The market has demanded, if you want to get people to come work for you, 
You have to pay them better, and you have to provide benefits. The issue that I hear from our members is I can't find people qualified, ready, willing to come to work, uh, and I have to compete for them. And the way I compete is better wages, better benefits. So the market has driven us way past 775. It didn't take the government to do that. Um, the, the market wage in Michigan is higher than both the federal and the state minimum wage. Mm-hmm. And if we raise the minimum wage past what the market can bear, then some bad things begin to happen. Four of them specifically. Prices go up, people get their hours cut, businesses close, and technology replaces people. Now, is that what we want to happen? Because those are certainties of raising the minimum wage past Hmm. what people will pay for a sandwich. So, I mean, part of the problem is in order to to pay a, a way higher minimum wage, you have to raise prices. And in many of those cases, the prices will would have to be raised to a point where customers won't buy it at that price, which means companies go out of business, which means people lose their entire job. So I'm frustrated by this whole national $15 an hour minimum wage because it doesn't have the texture you just talked about. Um, right. you know, in the UP, $15 an hour is way different. The cost of living is way lower in parts of the UP. So it's not a one-size-fits-all solution. Uh, and, and this is the other thing that happens. It just happened uh, a couple of days ago, uh, and it was our own Congressman Tlaib who said, 15 is not enough, it should be 20. And then if it's, you know, as we said before, if you, why not 50? If you think <laughs> all those bad things that I just said aren't going to happen, if we really thought all, all that's going to happen is people are going to make a lot more money and nothing bad's going to happen, let's make it $100. And then everybody will be rich, yeah. but I don't think that's the way it's really going to work. Yeah, I don't know. What, I, I, don't, I don't think I want to know what the price of milk would be at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so look, hey, we got to take a quick break, guys. Uh, we're going to come back with Rob Fowler, the CEO for the Small Business Association of Michigan, and Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. We're back here in just a few moments. Come back and be with us. First, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Thanks, everybody. We're back here on Food First Michigan. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here in the studio. And on the phone here with us, Rob Fowler, CEO for the Small Business Association of Michigan. And Rob, we've talked about the budget, we talked about the roads, and um, but there's something you're involved in, not just as a CEO for the Small Business Association and how just by the way, I appreciate you and your work and your team and how you stand in the gap for the families that own these small businesses across the state. And I really appreciate you and your team and your work. And I understand that you have a golf tournament coming up pretty soon on September the 12th, but my board chairman is making us have a board meeting that day. <laughs> so I'm not going to get to play in that. Well, you know, we'll have to talk about that. Yeah, uh, probably, probably. And it won't be the first time Phil has talked to me about it either. So at any rate, just thought I'd get that out there. Um, so that's kind of like my doctor's excuse for not being there on the 12th because um, – my chairman says we have to have a board meeting. So with well, that, you in, have been a great supporter, Phil. 
Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's our pleasure for sure. Um, so, hey, Rob, one of the things that you're involved in, um, I, I, professionally, but also uh, more personally, I think it's a passion for you, is a, a kind of a new movement that's popped up called Launch Michigan. Now, we know you've had some uh, experience of being a board member for a school district. Um, and so uh, on that, on a board of uh, education and uh, Launch Michigan is kind of taking a different approach about Michigan. And I think it's relevant to talk about because a lot of the funding things we're talking about today on the show really come down to how much are we going to be able to invest in our school system. And as we said off air, education is a huge, huge leverage for folks who are trying to get themselves out of poverty and become more self-sufficient. Yes, uh, this Launch Michigan has been important. It's broad education reform, so we've been talking about education finance, in effect, for the, in the one budget that's before us. But what's the long-term investment strategy, and what's the long-term uh, reform? And maybe, again, the backdrop for this is Michigan is dropping in the, um, in the comparison with other states in almost every demographic in every area that you can measure. So third grade reading, eighth grade math, um, every race, every uh, income strata, every um, zip code, we're falling behind. So there's a tendency to think this is a problem that exists only in our urban areas. It is not. Uh, our rich suburban white kids are not doing as well compared to their peers in other states as well. So the business community sort of said, this is a priority issue. We must get after this. And so Launch Michigan is actually bringing together all of the players, all of the stakeholders, so education and labor uh, and philanthropy and business, uh, communities, parents, uh, have all come together. And I think what we've done is create a place where we can have this conversation that has no media, no policymakers, no members at the table, uh, so we can have candid conversations about solving problems in education uh, without the sort of preening that happens by some of us sometimes when we think there's a TV camera in the room or, or maybe our members are listening in. Um, that, I think, has set the stage for a really candid and, um, and I think, I'm really optimistic about this effort, uh, effort to create a plan to turn Michigan around in, in, from an education standpoint. And to move us back, um, we've debated to be one of the top 10 states. What we've really settled on is being the fastest moving, the fastest advancing, improving state in the country. Uh, and that, that really means absolute focus on the things that matter that we know will will uh, create improved education um, data, but not just data, that we truly are giving our kids a way better opportunity than we are today, uh, and that we're, we're focused as all of the stakeholders. We're not fighting about little things. We're working together on big things. You know, one of the things that we believe if you're going to solve hunger is is you have to decide what you just said, what really matters, what moves the needle, what are the things that we should be looking at. And another way that we say that is you do what you measure. You know, you, when you decide right. this is what an improvement looks like, that's what you do. So give us some examples of things that we need to do. Yeah, I think... Um 
that that's well said, and it's in fact what we're we're really trying to do. We have a whole conversation about accountability. What what is the measure that we should really be focusing on? So, uh, one of the one of the sort of obvious and easy not easy but obvious ones is uh, literacy. If you can't read, you can't learn other things. Um, so, I think we we actually um, hosted a statewide educator survey that got 17,000 responses, and it gave us some real insight into, into how our teachers are thinking today. And the, the short answer is they don't feel particularly supported, um, they don't feel particularly respected, and that is nobody's victory. That is nobody's, um, that's not good for anybody. And so uh, I think a real focus on supporting teachers better um, one of the things that has happened with during the bad economy years is we really pulled back on uh, the support areas of school counselors and nurses and reading coaches and all those people that support a teacher in the classroom. That's what got cut out of so many schools. And I think what we have come to understand is those things really make a difference. And we have got to figure out a way to get them back into the schools, if not in exactly the way we did before, in ways that, that um, provide the teachers those kind of supports. Uh, so I think it's been a, uh, a very positive discussion. We've had people who literally fundamentally disagree on almost everything come to the table and begin to find areas of agreement. And I have to tell you, in a term-limited world, Michigan, this is one of Michigan's biggest issues, is that because our term limits are so short, six years in the House, eight years in the Senate, and you're gone, um, there is very little institutional memory left, and therefore these big complex issues, like we've been talking about, the legislature has lost its capacity to really dig in and stay in those issues for the long term. And I believe Launch Michigan is the table where we're going to be able to have a long-term conversation and a long-term strategy and hopefully hold our lawmakers accountable to that long-term improvement strategy and not just zigzag across the field and never make it, you know, never score anything. So um, that's really the vision for, for Launch Michigan, long-range improvement strategy. Um, governors will come and go. Chairman of the House Commerce and, and Education Committee will come and go. But we will stay at the table with a long-term view. Well, I we're going to keep a close eye on it, Rob, because uh, as you say, term limits and, and the consequences of that are things that affect any long-term problem. Certainly hunger is one of those, and maybe we'll have Feed Michigan right next to you uh, as you're launching Michigan, because we certainly believe that these problems that you're trying to solve are easier to solve if we take hunger off the table. So that's always been a way that we've aligned with you. We, we know that that's going to continue, and... And, uh, and we really appreciate the perspective that you're bringing to the table here in terms of what does it really take to solve these difficult, intractable, intractable problems? How do you get people to the table to begin with? And then how do you get them to be honestly discussing things where there's very, very different points of view to make progress? And I think in our... Uh, in in government in general, but certainly not just uh, not just government. Lots of us who are involved in these issues. These are the breaths of fresh air that we need to to have hope for how we solve difficult problems together. 
Well, let me just say, Jerry, I so appreciate the work you do and the work that Phil does with the Food Bank Council. It's not just important, but the way you're going about it with real creativity and strategy is, I think, a breath of fresh air. Um, I think you've, you've, you've brought some new thinking to this issue of, of solving hunger and doing it in a way through nonprofits that really think strategically um, and uh, sustainably. That's good stuff, and I just appreciate the leadership both of you bring to, to that space. Well, thanks, Rob. We appreciate you. And, you know, I'll, I can tell you, Jerry, that Rob and I, as soon as uh, Michigan launched, Michigan launched, <laughs> um, I was at their, their press event, and I looked up there on, on, the, on the platform, and standing amongst these great leaders across the state was Rob Fowler. And, of course, um, you know, we had a, a very good conversation after that about the concept of food first. And if we want to get third grade reading level by third grade, then, you know, if they're not well fed, they won't be well read and he gets it he understands it and he's we've had the conversation that says when the time is right when it's important for that issue to come alongside of launch michigan then uh then he would have us in the room so rob i appreciate you believing in us personally and professionally but also believing in this great mission of of a food secure state as well well it's always my my pleasure and i appreciate uh appreciate the conversation each time great we must just like talking to you i guess so i guess so that's it i do for sure all right rob fowler the ceo for the small business association he's been our guest today jerry and i'll be back to wrap up this edition of food first michigan you come back and be with us we're back to wrap up this edition of Food First Michigan. And Jerry, that's Rob Fowler. Uh, Lots of good information, uh, good perspective. What are your thoughts? I think probably the important thing for us to do is is to try to to wrap this all into how does this impact the people we serve? These are really important conversations. And and off air, I, I said a saying that I use often, and that is, uh, the less you know about a problem, the easier it is to solve. And so as we start looking at, you know, the roads and, and education and minimum wages, you know, somebody has to foot the bill for all this. And most people go, it should be somebody besides me. I mean, that's that's generally the reaction you get from every group all the time. It just should be somebody else. Yes, you're right. Somebody has to pay for this. It should be somebody else. And I think as we look at having a hunger-free community, what we realize is that it is going to take investors who win when the problem is solved to come to the table and be willing to make that investment because there is a return on that investment. The people that we serve... Um, are already struggling to make ends meet. We know this. Right. And so there are a lot of people that say, just raise their wages and they'll be able to make ends meet. And there's a truth to that that we have to acknowledge. But there's other truths. We can't just have uh, people some people benefit. We have to have everybody benefit some way. And so we know we have to layer wages and work supports and other things together from a policy standpoint so that small businesses don't fail when minimum wages rise. We we have to accept the complexity of all these problems and embrace that the solutions are going to take a lot of thought. And those thoughts have to come from the whole community so that we can make sure that all boats can 
continue to rise. And so these issues, every single one of them, affects the people we serve. And we have to hear different points of view and consider all these points of view carefully in order to really solve the problems of the people that we're trying to help. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't disagree with what you, your summary there. I mean, I, I do see that. I, I think that what we have to do is, uh, from a policy standpoint, is, is to begin to look at things that um, support and enhance work opportunities rather than restrict them. So let me, I say it like this. Anybody can require, create work requirements. That's a simple thing to do. You can do that with a stroke of a pen. But to incentivize it, now you get these work supports that stretch across the wage scale and people are no longer stuck at 12 or $13 and losing all of their benefits. They're keeping some of their benefits and they're stretching across the wage scale until they become self-sufficient. And I think that's the first place we have to do is, is, a, is address policy so that it supports work and not just requires it. So those are my thoughts. But now I guess it's time for a little food for thought. Bill Clinton, the president, said, It turns out that advancing equal opportunity and economic empowerment is both morally right and good economics. Because discrimination, poverty, and ignorance restrict growth. While investments in education, infrastructure, scientific, and technological research increase it, creating more good jobs and new wealth for all of us. And I really think that's a key thought, new wealth for all of us. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. He's Jerry Brisson. You can find us at foodfirstmichigan.org and catch up on all of our shows changing the conversation about food security across Michigan. Thanks for being with us. Until next week, remember, it's food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.